Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard. Sam, you're looking resplendent and I noticed there's no uh, assistance for you now. You're walking around freely. I am off the crutches. Uh, all my little ailments are... Uh, little well, ailments? Well, both <laughs> hips I had removed, yes, Leon, and uh, all indicators thus far are good and I'm actually walking on my own pegs this time. Now, that doctor you see... Yes. Did he seek to put new hoops back in? He did. Or did he just take the old ones out? They took the old ones and new ones in. Because there was a bit of a scam going for a while. They were reselling them. No, uh, no, no, that was in the uh, – <laughs> oh, please, please, no. These are the real McCoy. Uh, two layers of concrete. No, no. <laughs> no they tell me they'll certainly see my uh, time out. Uh, and, the uh, the marvellous David Young. Well, he was a great uh, orthopaedic, is David Young. But just on another note, Leon, I don't know whether you went or not, but I certainly did. I had my tinsel uh, gear on and uh, have you ever seen a phenomenon? Now, I was a great Elvis Presley fan and I vaguely recall the Beatles when they were here and that was massive. Taylor Swift. Now, are you a Swifty? Well, well, I'd say about as much as I break for Collingwood. Well, I've got to say, I'm, uh, her genre's not, it's not our genre. But I do admire her immensely for the enormity of her talent, the magnetism that she provides. She writes her own material, 44 numbers off the top of her head, and all the uh, pizzazz and the bells and the whistles and the wardrobe, Leon. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I've got a pretty simple wardrobe. Yes, I can see that. Uh, well, <laughs> why so early in the piece? You know... If you saw my real wardrobe, I've got a lot of labels in there. <laughs> you <laughs> have. <laughs> what, you, what, what you want to do is get a suit. <laughs> oh, this is going nowhere. I'm sick of it. We've got a guest. We have got a guest. Our you guest go. is one of the most decorated <laughs> footballers of all time. He uh, He's won all the medals. And, uh, yeah, well, what about that? We might as well run through them. And you tell us what they're for. I hope I don't trap you. The Simpson medal. Uh, for the best player on the ground in interstate. Uh, match the Tassie the medal, uh, s- uh, similar at the carnival. Carnival, at the carnival. best part of the carnival. The Brownlow medal, self-explanatory, and the Charlie Sutton would be, of course, best and fairest of the Footscray. Well, uh, yeah, indeed, so it's only one Charlie Sutton. Yeah, one of Charlie Sutton's favourite line was Charlie Sutton's favourite line. Knew him well. Can't yeah. see his favourite line. Well, Charlie, as you know, was uh, renowned for uh, a bit, bit of argy bargy and a bit tough. Yes, being tough. And Charlie's favourite line, he said, Kekka, every time I saw him, he said, shop early. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he said, hell of a nice bloke. But he said, oh, that was a bit rugged. He said, shop early. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm referring, of course, to Brad Hardy, who played for, mainly for Footscray over here. But uh, Brad, as we say good morning to you, um, there's a, a misentry, if you like. Well, I'll ch- clear it up with you. It's in the one one of the uh, online forums that uh, you played for East Fremantle, 140 games. That was South Fremantle, wasn't it? Uh, good morning, Leon. Good morning, Sam. Great to be with two corporate heavyweights. So I've done it like being interviewed by the president and the vice president of BHP, Kaker, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your mouth out, Leon, and whoever was on that online, get on there and change that. We don't like East Fremantle. In fact, we detest them. The, the garlic munchers. 
<laughs> well, it's just the wrong side of the bridge, Kekker. You've been there many times. You know the trade wins. That's the cutoff point, mate. That's, That's the cutoff point. Well, it's funny. Uh, I was just doing a little research, and uh, there it was. I thought that doesn't look right. Anyway, it was South Fremantle, but in the book is East Fremantle. So uh, if you rely on Dr. Google, uh, Dr. Google for your uh, medical advice, I'd suggest you stop that. Um, Brad, um, what brought you to Footscray in the first place? Well, I've got to say, like every kid growing up, I didn't really discover VFL football, which you boys were involved with for such a long time. What a great period. We were very, very lucky to be born in that era. But uh, until I was allowed around, I was born in 62, so it was probably 73 when Richmond won the flag. And I, I don't know why I gravitated, as most kids do, to winners. And I thought, well, I'll start following Richmond. You know, Royce Hart and Kevin Bartlett, Francis Burke and, you know, Barney. Those sort of blokes were, you know, around the place. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I got to play senior footy at South Fremantle as a boy. Um, I was a boy, I was only 16 and... And then I thought, well, I just want to be a good waffle footballer kicker, you know. Um, and and I tried, and I, I just kept doing my thing. And you read out the medals that I was fortunate enough to win at the state state and state of origin level. Um, I had a couple of near misses. Richmond came and saw me and said, uh, "Don't sign a form four. Here's a couple of grand and a Bruce Monteith uh, lace up jumper from the from the grand final victory in '80." And I was massively, massively into Richmond at that stage. Uh, uh, then they went for David Palm kicker. So uh, it was a pretty handy player. Uh, And then Tom Hafey rang me one day, Leon, and it was 1983, and the boys were always winding me up because I'd had a couple of false starts. And uh, Tommy was on the phone. He took me pick 15, I think, in the Geelong uh, draft back in 83, and I hung up on him because I thought it was some idiot trying to wind me up. Um, And he said, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Cadinia Park next year. That was the last I heard of poor old Tom. So, anyway, <laughs> that was it. And after the 84 State of Origin kicker uh, at Subiaco Oval, Sean O'Sullivan walked into the rooms and he said, how would you like to play the Footscray Football Club, Leon? So, I said, absolutely, are you sure? <laughs> and they said, yep, we're sure. And, and that's how it came about. Right. Now, uh, we should go back a peg. Uh, you started when you were so young uh, at South Fremantle. So, where did you play your ultra junior football? Well, I grew up in a suburb called Hilton, as in the hotels, um, Hilton Park. Uh, came right through the red and gold T-shirts up there at the school oval on a Sunday morning to begin. Uh, yeah, played our way through. Very lucky to win a lot of premierships, a lot of medals, and a lot of uh, best and fairest and things like that. Uh, did a little bit of little athletics. Uh, and then I caught on fire kicker in a backyard fire. Uh, after work one day, I was a, a postie uh, riding around the local suburbs of Willoughby and Melville, 26 miles on the red push bike and I finished early one day and unfortunately got uh, burns to uh, 55% of my body yeah. and kept me in hospital for about six or seven months because they didn't have the uh, the technology and the know-how as, as they do today. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of time to think, uh, Leon, had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do. Funny thing, uh, uh, Brad, the, the, the lady really got the, uh, the that skin that they put over bird skin uh, she's from Perth, the professor that did all that. Fiona, Fiona, yeah, Fiona Wood, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't around in my day and I, it wasn't until I, I, I spent a lot of time, I actually helped a little bit in the pathway, I must admit, because uh, I, I don't hope this is not too graphic for your show, but I, I had so many blisters, Kekka, they were bursting and they were peeling my skin off. 
Um, and, and what happens with your skin, it turns very rosary red and with little white pimples. And then what happens, those white pimples burst open like a flower and join together. But they were putting cream on me six times a day, Leon, for every right. four hours. Um, you know, to make encourage that to happen. But, of course, every time, you know, when you're burnt to so much of your body, you you can't lie anywhere because you're, you're lying in cream and uh, that sort of stuff. So they, they, they came up with some sort of non uh, sort of gauze. It wasn't wasn't the, the fluid ointment gauze, but gauze to make sure that it stayed on. And that was the start of something that uh, – and it wasn't until a, an English uh, sister came back from, um, from uh, the UK and said – you need skin grafts. How long have you been in? I said, I've been here about six months. He said, oh, geez, you need, you should have had them ages ago. God. So uh, hence hence the long sleeves? Yeah, yeah, red hair and freckles too, Leon. You know, that, that did help <laughs> with the, uh, the climate of Perth. You know, I wasn't like Kekka. I wasn't down there sunning myself, oiling myself at Scarborough Beach. <laughs> too often, I can assure you of that. Now, Brad, a couple of things uh, you made fleeting reference to earlier. You're... Uh, nearly enticed to Richmond with a Bruce Monteith uh, Premiership Guernsey. Uh, it, 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 suffice to say it would have been intact and nice and clean given the fact he spent <laughs> the entire game on the beach as a captain. <laughs> That'd be right, a, but he, he was a Coburn boy, yeah. which is the next suburb to Hilton. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, so yeah, it was a little bit there. And, of course, Mel Brown had been there and he was my coach at South and Morris Rioli was heading there and, uh, yeah, so there was, a, there was a little bit of a tangent there to follow. Uh, there was a tangent there, indeed so. Secondly, you made him... Reference to a guy who's a good mate of mine. I actually used to fly him to Sydney to play for Newtown and New South Wales when I coached up there, and I uh, accidentally ran into him the other day and had a coffee with him, Shane O'Sullivan. And Shane would have been, a, yeah, Shane uh, would have been a kid when uh, he was uh, the general manager's footscray, the general manager of football. Uh, and of course, he was. I know he spoke very highly of you. But he also made another significant appointment at a very early age, and that was the coach, Michael Malthouse, uh, which obviously you remember very well, and uh, I think it's been well documented, the little altercation you had with him at times, which ultimately led you to, you know, seeking greener pastures, or what you might have thought was... Uh, this, is probably, this is probably an elongated verse. I could have praised this for you, but... Uh, uh, but tell me... Uh, the early days of Footscray, uh, they were tough years, but uh, were you always a back pocket player? I mean, to say, it was relatively new. Who, who stuck you out there in the back? Because you're normally an aggressive attacking player and you read the play pretty well. Look, look, look as a kid, you won't believe this. I actually was playing in the ruck and I was up against a bloke that you'd be familiar with, you two boys, a bloke called Wayne Henwood. Brad, before you go any further, this is a fair income show. Don't start cracking jokes here. <laughs> no. You can't be a ruckman at five foot four, for Christ's sake. No, I was, I was a ruckman, and I was up against Wayne Henwood. Uh, with the city squad? to be six foot six, and I grew on to be five foot ten. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, so when I got to South, uh, yeah, no, I was, yes, you're right. I was, all, I was, a, I was the old-fashioned utility player. Leon could play just every, about everywhere, and uh, Brownie started me in the back line. My first half a dozen games with South was a back line player, but then I graduated pretty quickly 
uh, through midfield, probably high half forward, they describe it these days, kicked a few goals. Um, but when the State of Origin game came around in 84, uh, we had Morris Rioli, who was obviously, uh, along with Jimmy Buckley, the premier midfielders in the game, I think, at that stage. Um, for Victoria. Uh, then we also had a bloke called Leon Baker could go a little bit, Craig, uh, yeah, could go yeah, a little yeah. bit. And, uh, and myself and, and John Todd was the coach, Leon, and he said, well, listen, uh, Leon, you start on the half-forward flank. Morris, you start in the middle. And Brad, you start in the back pocket. Now, if any of you boys uh, feel like a little bit of a break, uh, feel free to swing around. Well, Rioli was absolutely dynamite in the middle. Uh, Baker was killing them on the high half-forward up the ground, extra midfielder type player. And I was going okay in the back pocket. So everybody in Melbourne, Leon, to answer your question, saw me play back pocket. So by the time I arrived in Melbourne, I didn't really have a choice. I love that expression, utility players. Not used these days. Well, if they do, you know very well. There's two things you never want to be referred to at a football club. I've told you a hundred times. A utility and a, and a good club man. Because you know... You, you, <laughs> You're you, the you, way out. You're <laughs> at housing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best club, and that's a no-no. Oh. That's a no-go zero. Yeah, well, for sure. What sort of a player was he? Oh, look, he's a utility. Yeah, <laughs> utility. <laughs> so... Um, so you didn't get on well with Mick, and that was. The, but you played 140 games for Footscray. I know you didn't. You played for, for South, uh, yeah, yeah, for South, yeah, and two stints, yeah. Well, the, the rules were different back then, fellas, because of the fact that you know they had the form four uh, scenario, yeah. but then they in, also introduced a rule where you had to play either five years of senior football, 100 games of senior football, or be 23 years of age. You needed to satisfy two of those. Well, I made the 100 games in the five years, but I was still a young lad because I started at 16. So I had the two there. So that, that was the, the the earliest, really, I suppose, in the end that I could possibly get across. Um, so it just worked out. 117, I think, I played with South before I got to Footscray. And, uh, yeah, played 47 there. And you mentioned the great Charlie Shutton's shop early. He said that to all of us as soon as we walked through the door every day, which was great. Uh, I'm still trying. To, I'm still trying to get that Charlie Sutton medal. Leon, I, 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 was, I was leaving town to use Kekka's term, and uh, I won it, but I never got it. <laughs> well, I think Footscray were going through a period of insolvency, a bit like Fitzroy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, that's exactly right because I became their major sponsor by going up to the, uh, the newly found uh, Brisbane Bears. They got two hundred and seventy thousand for me, Kekka. So I was their major sponsor for five years. I think if you look at the uh, if you look for, if you're looking for your medal, I suggest you look on eBay at the minute. It's still probably. There. <laughs> I, 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 I suggest it might be Jack Collins' top draw. <laughs> <laughs> No. I'll, I'll just stick. I'll just stick around to St Kilda Road. Just borrow a quid off your kicker to see if I can buy it back. Now, of all the medals, those medals we spoke about before, uh, what was the? You know, one must have been the biggest surprise of all of them. Uh, Brownlow. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, the Brownlow. I mean, you don't. And as Kekka knows, his humility, or humility uh, has no bounds. But you get to a stage where you don't set out on the football field to be to be winning that type of thing. You don't even give it a second thought. I mean, I wasn't a run around in 1985 thinking I can win this. You know, uh, it wasn't until the day before the actual count we'd been knocked out by Hawthorne in the prelim final by 10 points, and that's what it is all about, uh, that someone mentioned to me it might be a silly chance. So, yeah, but to, to – and look – in the count, to be honest, Leon, for those who weren't there or can't recall, I think at the halfway mark I was on three votes. 
like right. like you're further back than Kiwi in the Melbourne Cup care, you know. So, and I came home with a you know, a dynamo effort in the last second half for umpires' votes, and I think at that stage Justin Harry Madden had got five threes in a row, so he he rocketed to the front and I pipped him on the last game. So, yeah, without a doubt, it, it was the most surprising one of all. Listen, do me a favour, Brad, just for future reference. We just stop referencing and using uh, racing parlance as an analogy. I've just missed the quaddy yesterday, so it's, it's still, <laughs> you know, I'm still having nightmares about Macron getting over the line. But anyhow, moving on, uh, everything was going hunky-dory. The older case with Mike Malthouse was interesting. I know Mick was a relatively young coach. I don't know whether he was totally worse, versed in diplomacy and how to handle a hothead like yourself. But what was the, what was the real the genesis of the difference between you and he? Oh, philosophies, I think, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He, uh, Mick, as a player, as you know, was a tough, stand on their Relentless, toes, yeah. elbow them in the guts, you know, old-fashioned back pocket player. Well, I was like, if I've got the ball, they haven't, um, I'm going to go off. That'll be my best form of defence is to attack. So we, we lived with that and we played along with that and it went okay, particularly in 85. In 86, we had things go a little bit pear-shaped. The great champion, Doug Hawkins, um, uh, did his knee. Tony Shaw slid into him oh, around about round 15 or 16 at MCG. And we were on a knife's edge back then, Kaka, trying to make the the five, I think it was, or the six in those days. And, yeah, we were running out of time. Um, we were playing Carlton out of Waverley, and percentage was going to be important. We had Carlton and Hawthorne in the last two games. And I think Robert Walls would have been coaching Carlton at the time. And I had Bernie Evans as an opponent kicker. Yeah, and, I thought, mm. and the runner came out and said, take Hardy down to the forward line and racing back. Well, I wouldn't beat him on a 900-metre, 900cc motor guzzy, you know? Like, so I said, I'm not going. And the runner came out and said, you've got to go down. I said, I'm not going. And he said, you've got to go down. I said, we're waiting goals to three. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what happened. So he took me off the ground there, Leon, and as I said, I took my jumper off just to let him know it was pretty hot out at Wavy that day and to get me a couple of drinks and while you're there, Mick, get one for yourself. <laughs> well, it must have been a pretty heated old occasion when you got back in the rooms. He must have. Oh, Frost, Frost, it was like Iceland. It was like yeah. the South Pole. Uh, no, we, we didn't speak for two days. Uh, and then even then we did speak. Uh, I didn't get to speak. He just spoke. And uh, th- th- I knew I was dead in the water. I knew then, even going into the last game against Hawthorne, which we had to win out at the Western Oval, the Whitten Oval now, uh, to, to make the finals. And, uh, yeah, no, it was going to be. So he didn't say a word to you after the game. Uh, uh, when you took your jumper off, and you, yeah. you know, went to the rooms. At what stage of the game was that? Directly after uh, the game? He took, th- he took me off midway through the third quarter. I sat there till three-quarter time. He eventually put me back on. I kicked two or three goals in the last quarter to, to up forward to bring us back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, we never spoke until uh, probably the Monday afternoon because in those days we all had to go to work on Monday and you showed up at training for five o'clock. No, the reason I ask you is I couldn't imagine Ron Barassi not having a word. <laughs> I can imagine if I had to take my jumper off and got into the rooms after the game. I'll tell you where I would have been now. God, strike a line. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that was the way it was. I mean, we're two hard hats and, you know, you, Kekka and Leon, I know you, you're a magnificent man manager. Uh, oh, look, and I'm not speaking out of school. Nothing I haven't told Mick and, you know, we're better today than we are 40 years ago. But the bottom line was that, um, yeah, he was he was poor. I mean, and what's what's the first thing that the, a, a current day coach says when uh, they say, what sort of a coach are you? You know, uh, Adam Uzo, oh, I'm a relationship builder. Well, that wasn't Mick's go. That no, wasn't his best go. No. 
Well, talking about coaches, uh, you mentioned Mel Brown before. Yes. Uh, he, he wasn't known over here. He's known for his, I think, one or two years at Richmond, but uh, and then a bit of media, a lot of media, um, and probably considered just a, a rough nut that, that used to knock people around. But what sort of a coach was he? Oh, he was outstanding. And, and I don't say this lightly. I mean, I used to say to people that he was the, the Ron Barassi in Western Australia. He, you know, I think he could have, like Stephen Michael, the player, I think they both could have made it in Melbourne as a player and a coach. Uh, Mel, no doubt. As you say, had a few games with Richmond in 70, uh, 73, 74 and got rubbed out, I think, in the prelim. He threw the hump, the ball back too hard, I think, at the, the umpire and got suspended for the grand final. But, oh, he was innovative, Leon. Very, very good thinker. Uh, loved the rascals. Loved people like Kekka, uh, myself. There was other. He would have loved Dane Swan, for instance. You know, he knows that he knew everybody had their own styles and own ways and one size didn't fit all and he treated them accordingly. Um, you know, so that he worked it out really well. Uh, we probably didn't quite get the results that we should have, Leon, to be honest, under Mel. We, we uh, I didn't play that. It was my debut year, but I didn't play in the 79 grand final. We lost that one. We won the next one very easily, and we lost the year after against uh, Claremont. So we, we possibly, the club, uh, could have won three, but, you know, it's like one's hard enough to win, let alone two. Exactly. Um, but Mel was an excellent coach. Think, thinking outside the box was his, was his skill. Well, he was our first guest on this uh, Sport and Life program. Uh, Has he got his uh, wine? Quite a few years ago. No, he hasn't got his wine yet. Um <laughs> Uh, and he's a good mate of both Kekka and mine. So, yes. Uh, well, I should I should say that because I was going to introduce the matter of the Aboriginal players, and yep. you know that w- we've been through all the controversy about you know how they are handled and how they are handled now and all that. But a real pioneer on how to handle Aboriginal players was Mel Brown. Oh, without a doubt. And that was part of my makeup as well, to be honest, Leon. I mean, by the time I'd got to Melbourne, I'd had a wealth of experience playing under Mel. He'd, he'd resigned twice, he'd uh, spat at people, he'd locked the president in the boot of his car, he, you, know, <laughs> you name it, Mel had done it. And uh, the, the way he entreated the Aboriginal boys was outstanding, outstanding. And, uh, you know, I remember just a quick one I can tell you, it was Stephen Michael rang him one day because Mel had a little office down at Fremantle Oval there, Kekka, and the phone rang and it's T.I. He said, uh, G'day, boss. He said, oh, I don't tell you what's going on, brother. He said, oh, I can't make training tonight. He said, why not? He said, uh, my German shepherds have knocked over the bins and I've got to clean it up. And he said, well, you do that and you come down here tomorrow night and do 10 rounds of boxing with Laurie Flanders, our boxing coach. Guess what? Stephen Michael was down there the next night doing 10 rounds of boxing. <laughs> you know, just little things like that. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't jump up and down. He didn't threaten them. He didn't do anything like that. Just loved them. And some of the names he called it, you couldn't, you couldn't do it today, but they loved it. They were first to training. They were last to leave. They were always attentive. They were yeah. fabulous, fabulous people. I was very, very fortunate. Michaels, Rioli, Vagona, Basil Campbell, Nicky Winmar came through late after me. Um, yeah, we, we had a stack of them. They were fantastic. Yeah, and it just shows you because of irreverence and just being Australian and they could laugh at themselves, self, self-deprecation and just enjoyed a good environment. And now they've yes. just become radicalised by, uh, by by pseudo-intellects who are trying to rot the system. But anyhow, this is not a political sermon, but I'll give you another <laughs> view of mine also. Now, tell me, that the other good thing about Mel Brown is Mel Brown was a sole catalyst that fueled the fire between West and the West Coast and the East Coast. He was the one individual yes. that really, you know, inspired uh, a lot yeah. of the East Coasters, you know, Victorian VFL, as it was known then, you know, 
became a very uh, lucrative and a very fertile oasis, the West Australian uh, Football League, because a lot of them found their way across the Nullarbor uh, and superstars. And as you'd likely allude, Mal Michael would have been a superstar over here. There's no doubt about that. Yes. He was a, he was a yes. great player. Now, tell me, Brad, when you uh, departed from Footscray, you found a lovely little haven up the eastern seaboard called the Brisbane Bears. Now, that must have yeah. been an experience because you were uh, you're high, you're highly touted, you are well paid, uh, but it must have been a basket case, was it? It wasn't easy, uh, but, but I, I, don't, I, I don't concur with a lot of people's assessment of it because, you know, back in the day there, obviously, yes, Shane O'Sullivan was going up there and, of course, uh, he was doing everything at Footscray at the day and I thought he said, well, come with me. I said, absolutely. So off we went. I became uh, the doggies' uh, uh, major sponsor. They got two seventy for me in the, in the transfer fee back in those days, Leon, which was pretty healthy for them. And, they, and as Checker said, they weren't going too well financially at all. Um, but we got up there, and we didn't have the you know the concessions that the GWS Giants and the Gold Coast Suns, that's and right, everybody else got. We uh, every club at the time, which was uh, had to 12, give up two players, didn't they? Two or three players who'd been on the list in the last two or three years. Well, Doc Aiken, uh, former uh, Perth fella anyway from Claremont, he'd, uh, he'd been at Carlton, but he'd been a doctor in the UK for 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't going to be playing. You know? <laughs> so we had to get that dirty dozen mentality. So, we, you know, we got blokes like Reigns and uh, Phil Walsh and Choco Williams and a few from South Australia and a couple from West Australia as well. And uh, that's how we cobbled them together. Now, just for the record, so you listeners understand where I'm coming from, the first year we won six games, the second year we won seven games, and the third year we won eight games, including beating Hawthorne, who won the Premiership Leon in 1989, uh, in about round 20 up there at Carrara. So, yeah, it was tracking okay, uh, but people just want to be... Then it went and started to go a little bit pear-shaped, and, and from that's where they derived that name, the Bad News Bears, which, which irks me when people say that, because the first three years... Under sufferance was pretty darn good. That was Peter Knights was a coach, wasn't he? Yeah, Peter was coach. He eventually, unfortunately, got the lemon and sass. And uh, a, a, a former teammate of yours, I Paul Felton. Yeah, Paul Felton. Paul Felton. And uh, yeah, he was a more of a into psychology in those days. But he was he kept it very simple, and we won five of our last seven under him. And uh, for some unforgiven reason. Uh, I don't know why the boys wanted to get rid of him. I said, mate, we've just won five out of seven. I said, what are we doing? Uh, and we ended up with a great fellow, Norm Dare, but Norm was more... Uh, Strategic. Uh, well, he was more acute with uh, Southport rather than he was with yeah. what was going on in the VFL, AFL, as it was in those days. Famous for his uh, tracksuit pants. He wore them <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> uh, a, a very nice guy, Norm there. Uh, but don't forget the form guide in the sock. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He had all that stuff. Uh, Paul Fotham to me, and I'm talking to two blokes that knew him, but he, he seems to be a mystery man. I, I've just, I don't know what, what he's doing now. No, he I, just faded sure away, isn't he? I'm not sure of either. I hope I can say this on the program. I'm not speaking out of school because it was true fact. Uh, there was allegedly a disappearance of a, a former love flame uh, 14 or 15 years prior to that in Toowoomba, uh, which on stage he may have been a suspect, but it was cleared. Um, so that was that was dredged up. 
So, yeah, it was quite bizarre. As I said, like, uh, you know, I know you blokes so well over, you know, very lucky over 30 or 40. You treat people the way they treat you. So, you know, and yes, people do have blotches on their escutcheon and people do have different backgrounds. But, uh, you know, you just got to live and keep moving one foot after the other. And, yeah, I, I thought it was a mistake, to be honest, to get rid of him. So how long were you at the Bears for, uh About five years. Yeah, yeah five five years. years. So uh, Woolsey came along in the last year, and uh, he he cleaned all the decks. And you know, uh, it was it was interesting. Again, I, I, philosophies. I, I'm not sure it was the right philosophy because yeah, Jeff Rains was a Rolls Royce. He was still going pretty well. Roger Merritt had joined the place. Um, Mike Richardson was just an absolute machine. Looked after himself. Uh, you know, there was still the guts there to, to to build something around. And of course, shortly after that, Kegger blokes like Buckley. And Voss uh, were, were drafted through there, Leon, but we'd all gone by then and uh, it took the slow burn. Buckley only stayed for a year, as we know, en route to Collingwood. And then, uh, you know, but Vossi and a few of his mates came together and Lee Matthews eventually took the wheel about five years down the track after that, after Roger had a little stint. Uh, yeah, and, and we, we saw what they are. And to his credit, Lee reminded me and others that had been involved, he said, well, when they won their first of their three uh, flags, he, he, he reminded us all of us to thank you very much. He said, because without you blokes starting it, we wouldn't have been where we are today. So there were, you go. Were you there with the Scaceys at all? Was the Scaceys? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very uh, – what was that magnetism you used, that word? Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. I, look, yeah. It must have, have been his, like Hollywood, was it? Well, you know, with his – you know, he had his – everybody's got a different style. But i tell you what he did know. He did know his footy. I know he spent a lot of time overseas, you know, doing deals and doing whatever he was doing, MGM Studios and Channel 7 and radio stations. He was, he was taking – the mirages were built. Um, yeah, he well, knew he was a Melbourne. Player, he was a Melbourne every boy. Wife, every kid, he, he really made – he was a real good person's person, you know what I mean? He, he felt like when he, he was when he was talking to you, you were the only one in the room, put it that way. How about um, Palamon? Was he there? Reuben, Reuben, Reuben came along at the end, and, and Reuben actually took the money, uh, took took and went and bought the bears. And his his wife of the day uh, loved me, but he didn't buy it for a, for a, a Valentine's present. He he bought it because Christopher might have said something distasteful towards him, um, you know, back in the day, and uh, when he suggested he might want to buy it, so he just decided he would buy it for the hell of buying it, just to uh, give it up that coin to uh, to to. Uh, to Christopher on the way out the door. He had, he had all the hotels and the bottle shops, didn't he, Bellman? Yeah, a couple of, and a couple of private Alamander Hospital and a few yeah, of those yeah, sort of yeah. things. He was a very frugal man, Kecker, I can tell you that, because, uh, you know, that when Christopher was in charge and Paul Cronin was involved, they used to fly, beautiful people, fly the food up from Melbourne. Yeah, Remember right. that, when you'd go to well, the Chairman's Circle lunch? I did, and uh, <laughs> funny enough, they used to catch it in the Queensland, bring it down here and then fly it back to the Evans lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and the- well, Reuben used to arrive at the game in his little uh, Jaguar, and he'd have his uh, his shorts on, his Hawaiian shirt, and a little a little uh, like a school lunchbox, the old brown ones. Remember those kids <laughs> yeah, yeah. sandwiches in it? And he used to walk up and sit in. He, he never went to those uh, particular functions. He just went sat in his little box and ate his sandwiches in the box. That was a Reuben. <laughs> it was a Reuben sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Now, my uh, Brad, you can answer this. Maybe I've never been able to find out. 
Who did pay for the lights at the Carrara? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was funny because we were actually out on the ground when they turned them on because we started a train under them, Leon, and Reuben came out with his two henchmen, Gerald and Judas, and uh, he walked out and Nigel was coach. We stopped training and Reuben was standing there and, and they gave him the big spiel. This is our new owner, Reuben Palamon and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he's done this and he's done that. So we all gave him a warm round of applause. And he just leaned across as you do in those sort of situations. And he said to his henchman, Judas, he said, um, he said, who paid for the lights? And they said, you did. He said, turn them off. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, he's a he's a pretty wise guy because <laughs> as you look at our power surges <laughs> these days, <laughs> now, what, a, what a great visionary he was. Now, before we let you go, Brad, how about uh, that fantastic finishing career at Collingwood? Like Kekka, I'm still taking tablets. Oh, no. on. Don't, don't Listen, you, more. I'm telling you, stick to the terms of reference. He asked you what it was like. Don't, <laughs> don't incorporate me in everything, we. <laughs> uh, was it wasn't it, what it was, wasn't a fruitful year. I broke my hand uh, that year. I missed about seven or eight weeks with a spiral flexure. I loved it. I, I wasn't ready. My dad had just passed away, uh, which was sad, and you know, did did knock me around. I was twenty nine, and I thought, oh, I'm just about old and buggered to be honest. But I, I, yeah, Lee asked me, and we got it, such a great great friendship. I went down there and. Yeah, played a couple of games and uh, I thought I was going to be there for the finals and that was the whole reason and we were playing the finals against St Kilda that particular week out at Waverley. Remember, it was, it was, remember it was back back to front, you know, the second team played That's the right. seventh team or something yeah. like that? Anyway, they got knocked out and that was the end of my career at Collingwood, to be honest, but I, I really enjoy I wish I had got there earlier, I really do, because uh, it was a fabulous club and I can understand after 90 what a, what a wow, what a, what a time it would have been. But big brand, they weren't they? Been, they'd lost Pants Malone, obviously, at the end of 91 and uh, they were still in a bit of party mode at that stage and I think Lee had a few things going on and yeah, they, they, they and I were probably not the right match <laughs> that particular year, but uh, I love them. Good luck to them. Well done to them last year, and uh, you never forget it. Yeah, where you, you love all of the football clubs, don't you, Kick? It doesn't matter what colour you yeah. play for. When you've got the jumper on, you're going as hard as you can. Good as gold. And uh, credit to you also too, Brad. Uh, after, after you retired, you really uh, eked out a terrific career in the media, uh, which you're still very much involved in. And, uh, you know, you got a very good... Uh, You've got a very good perspective and understanding of the game. Uh, I know it's changed and gone through many transitions, but we still love it. And, uh, you know, you put it across uh, to the listener uh, and articulated beautifully. So, uh, mate, uh, I know you're not a big drinker, but obviously our show is sponsored by a great uh, mutual friend of ours called Jerry Ryan, who owns uh, a couple of uh, establishments around Melbourne, namely uh, Mitchelton Winery and Hubert's. And... Most of our guests are in receipt of a couple of bottles of the finest uh, grape uh, ever since our inception. That was one of the uh, little gifts we give them and as a token of uh, appreciation. Now, the only, no, 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 before you thank me, uh, Mel Brown, we mentioned earlier, was our first guest some four years ago. He's still waiting for the two bottles. Uh, so what I suggest, what I'm saying to you in a nice way, if you hear a knock on the door, it won't be us, all right? 
I'll just get Jerry to come by us and drop it off in the JK van. That'd be nice. And, uh, I'll just take that for the weekend. I'll do, do something like that. But uh, Mel's a white man, so uh, in terms of white wine drinking, so I, I like the red. So whatever Mel was going to get in the red red department, Leon, I'll make sure I get it instead. Will you? Brad, it's been a great uh, pleasure having you with us on Sport and Life. Thanks for your time, and uh, folks, we'll join you next week. Indeed so.